So how many of you can relate to that after your Thanksgiving weekend? <clears throat> Every time, uh, ever since we started this series of ruts, um, I have an experience in my, in my past. One of my buddies, we used to live in Arkansas, and we'd go hunting on this uh, I uh, can't say the name of the base because we weren't always legal, but uh, there was an army base, and uh, we'd go out there hunting. And if, you can, if you've never been on an army base, it's full of woods. Uh, it's just a lot of trails, and uh, they run ATVs out there all the time, and uh, the Humvees. And uh, a lot of times the roads just aren't that great. And so my buddy thought he had this old Chevy pickup, and he thought, you know, it's been raining, but I'll be all right. I can, I can maneuver this. I can go, I can go around the ruts and... Uh, uh, I can't remember how I got out there, but somehow I think he may have walked to my house like four or five miles um, and he said, hey, man, I'm stuck. I'm thinking, you're stuck? What do you mean you're stuck? And I remember driving up, and if you can picture like a 500-acre field, like there's no trees around, out in the middle of this field surrounded by, you know, three-foot grass, you see the hood, the, the cab, of his truck. And when I got out there, uh, there were no axles left. It was just bumper and bumper on the ground. And I looked at him and I said, what were you thinking? I can navigate it. You know, so many times we get into ruts in our life and we just think we can navigate it. Now, last week, Pastor Steve talked about the, uh, the rut of more. Uh, how, many, how many want your kids to have a better life than you? Right? Most of us do. And Pastor Steve addressed the issue of more isn't always better. You know, how many of us, uh, without raising your hands, have dug holes uh, for our kids uh, because we wanted to give them more and more and more? Our, our country's doing this, right? I mean, uh, we, we just want to give more and more and more. And we're so far in a rut of financial ruin. And this isn't a political statement. It's just reality. We're so far in a rut of political ruin that our kids will never get out of it if we don't do something different. And so many times more sounds great until we realize it's not really better. And so uh, today I want to talk about our uh, attitude. How do, how do we have an attitude? How, how, how many know that you're predisposed to certain attitudes in your life? If you look at uh, Kate and Brad, I don't want to go to my, my, my family's house. You know, the whole movie's about not going to the family's house, yet they have to go to the family's house. And it's, it's interesting. They, they, how many of you have a, a, a safe word? Anybody? Anybody got a safe word? How about when you're making a phone call? Anybody got a safe word when you have to make a phone call? And it's, uh, maybe it's a, um, a phone company, or maybe it's a cable company, or maybe it's a, a company you owe money to. How many, how many of you have this safe word? Just let me talk to your supervisor. Anybody with me? Just, I, I just start out some days. Just, just, I, I, I didn't want to bother with you. Just give me your supervisor because you're not going to be able to help me. Anybody with me? You're predisposed. You're, you, you have this experience, and, and you're predisposed to a certain uh, way of life, and, and you know that uh, this is just going to lead to a frustration. And so we have these safe words, whether it's with our family or whether it's with our friends. Or how, how many go to a party and, and, you, and you know uh, there's going to be a phone call or there's going to be a text or there's going to be something that gets you out of that, out of that environment? You have these safe words. Why? Because we're predisposed to certain actions or certain reactions. And, and uh, Jesus knew this. Jesus, uh, we're going to talk about him today a lot uh, and, and what he did and how they gave us our example. And really, uh, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, which we believe is a uh, sermon that he didn't just preach once, but he preached everywhere he went. 
In the early part of that Sermon on the Mount, he tells us very clearly he wants us to do something different. He wants us to react differently or act differently than the world does. He tells us to turn the other cheek. How hard is that when we're being disrespected? I have a, I'm a big integrity guy. And when my integrity is questions uh, or, or, or any way, shape, or form, I, my response is more of a reaction you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. He's not talking about self-defense. He's, he's literally talking about when, when, when you're in a life of struggles, when you're in certain situations, and instead of uh, reacting to the world, I want you to respond. Just turn the other cheek. He tells us to also go the extra mile. Uh, we don't un- really understand that, but it's literally when somebody asks us to do something, that we go above and beyond what they ask us to do. Go the extra mile. Uh, when they ask for your coat or, or when they ask for your jacket, you give them everything. That's the response that Jesus is telling us to do. I want you to understand that's the response that Jesus set the example for us to do, is to always go the extra mile. Uh, Here recently, I've had to make uh, three phone calls. I shared these. I can't remember whether it was on a Facebook post or something else. I won't get into the details of the first two because my response was more of a reaction. But the third one, uh, I had to call my insurance company. I literally don't get sick much and uh, I, I stay healthy, but this last year I had an accident and had to have some surgery, and so I've had all kinds of medical issues this, this last year, and so I've never had experienced certain things. Uh, how many have ever met your cap on your insurance? Do you know you don't pay a, a, a premium after that? I didn't know that. I had no clue. And so, you know, every month certain money comes out of the account, and Kelly goes, hey, they didn't take money out of the account this month. What's up? Can't get into all the details, especially on tape. Uh, But uh, we let something lapse, not our premium or anything like that. But I thought, you know, are they really going to cut my wife out of this uh, because I didn't get that done? And so I already had this preconceived notion in my mind of why they didn't take the money out. And so I call, I won't won't say who it is or anything, but I call them, and I'm like, you know, hey, I got this issue. I, I just need you to explain to me why you're not taking money out of my, my, my account this year, this month for the premium. And he goes, oh, that's easy. Now I'm ready to just simply say supervisor. Anybody with me? Because I already know this isn't going to go well. Just, just supervise. Just give me. And he goes, oh, that's easy. I'm thinking, yeah, right. He goes, you met your catastrophic cap. I'm like, what does that mean? Because literally, I, like, I just don't get sick. I go to the doctor once a year for my physical, and that's it. I don't get sick. I've never had this happen. He goes, well, you, you've met all that you're going to pay this year. Everything from this point forward, we cover free. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, you actually have a credit. When, when January rolls around, the new year rolls around, uh, you're only going to pay $10 instead of what you normally pay because you have that much credit. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. I'm supposed to ask for your supervisor because you can't help me. Anybody with me? You get in these ruts, you get in this preconceived notion, this preconceived idea of what's going to go on, and, and, and when it doesn't go on, you're confused, right? How would it like to be that that becomes your normal? That you get rid of the preconceived notions, you get rid of the preconceived ideas, and you just simply respond the way that God created you to respond? That you be the best you that God created you to be? Life will be so much different. I'm working on it. As, Paul would, as I would say about Paul, I'm not there yet. But I'm working on it. 
So how do I exit the rut of reactions is the question we want to address today. In Philippians chapter 2 uh, is where we'll go. Uh, Paul is in prison, literally. He's uh, towards the end of his life. He knows that uh, death is imminent. And uh, he receives this letter and some money from the church at Philippi. And uh, in this letter, we don't know exactly what was stated, but Paul, in turn, writes this letter, the book of uh, Philippians, as we look at it. He writes this letter back to the church, and he addresses some issues with them uh, that they're struggling with in Philippi. And one of the things is they're struggling some way, somehow, with their relationships with each other. I wonder if it was Thanksgiving or the holiday season. Uh, it was a time when family came together. You know, what was it that was causing them to struggle? We don't know. But he says this in chapter 2, verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, have the same attitude that Jesus had. Have the same mindset. Have the same attitude. Well, what is that? Who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So uh, he was all eternal. He was omnipresent. He was everywhere at all times. He was all-knowing. But he chose to set all of that aside. He chose to set his attributes of God aside. Why? He didn't consider equality with God to be something to use for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. God, uh, Jesus was never created, but he chose to be born like man. He chose to be obedient to his Father and be born in a human form so that he might experience everything that we experience and might set the example for us to follow. That's, that's what Paul is writing. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even unto death, even death on the cross. The worst and the most horrific death that a man or mankind could experience in those days. I don't know that there's a different, uh, I, I would think that that would still be the, the same today. That if, if we practice crucifixion today, there's probably no other death that we could suffer that would rival the crucifixion. And it's amazing that Jesus was born in that time for that purpose, with that being the main form of death for criminals. If you really sit down and think about all of this, the orchestration that God had to bring Jesus at this time, to bring the world at this time, and he was born at this time for this purpose so that we might have a relationship with him. It blows your mind. That God orchestrated all of this for this purpose. So he was self-eternal, but he didn't think that was anything. He, was, he allowed God to create him as a human form. He became obedient even to the point of death. And everything he did was in obedience to his Father. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus says, I came to do his will. In John chapter 5, verse 30, he says, I only do what he shows me to do. In John chapter 8, verse 26, I only say what he says. Man, wonder if we could ever get to that point. That in every aspect of our life, we're living it to the obedience of God himself. That we're living our life to the obedience of Jesus, the example that he set before us. Uh, if we, every aspect of our life, that it was simply driven in a manner to be obedient to God. Goes on from there. Because Jesus was obedient to his father, his father exalted him to a place of highest honor. In Philippians 2, chapter, 9, verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of his obedience, 
Because he simply did what his father told him to do. He simply said what his father told him to say. He simply went where his father told him to go. He did everything out of obedience to his father. Because of that obedience, even to the obedience to the death on the cross, that is the reason that he was exalted. Because he demonstrated the faith that we need to have, the trust that we need to have in who God really is. And when we have that as the mindset that God is who he is, and God is going to put us in the right place at the right time, at the right moment, for his right purpose, then our attitude will not be reaction, but response. Now, that's easy to say, right? You think, well, he ain't living this life. Well, yeah, he did, in the form of Jesus. It says in other places in Scripture, he experienced all things as we experienced, yet he was without sin. Can you imagine being God himself in the flesh and being tempted? You think your temptation is difficult. Think about his. Our temptation doesn't even compare to the temptation that he experienced. When you sit and think about the fact that he is without sin, we can't go a morning without sin, can we? I mean, just honestly. I'll get to a, a thing in this. I, I believe, I'm a firm believer that God tests you what he's teaching you. Uh, and sometimes we fail that test. Uh, here, here's the thing. What would be different in our lives if we responded the way our Father requests of us? How would life be different? Here, here's something that I, when I work with couples, I'll always say, as you're working on yourself to become the best you that God created you to be, you'll start to respond differently than you normally respond. When you respond differently than you normally respond, the other person usually gets confused. And it usually comes out in anger. And you're like, that's not true. Trust me. When you don't do what you always do, the other person doesn't know what to do. If your re response is always a fit of rage or a fit of anger or uh, lashing out or, or whatever it might be, and you all of a sudden change that, the other person will notice that. And they don't know what to do. They will either keep pushing you to get that reaction because that's the norm, or they will step back and go, what's different? That's unusual. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. But I want you to understand, as you become the best version of you that you can be, it causes confusion in the people around you. Because the world expects us to, to respond, to react in certain ways. And then Paul goes on from there in Philippians 2, 12 through 18. He said, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but not much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That passage right there uh, causes a lot of people to struggle. When he says work out your salvation, it's not trying to work on your salvation. You've already been saved. It's not that you have to do works to become saved. It's, it's that God has already saved you. But the question becomes, why did God save you? Did he just save you to come here on Sunday and sit in these, these beautiful little chairs? Did he just save you to, to get up every morning and go, oh my goodness, it's a beautiful day. Did he just save you so that you might enjoy this world? No, there's a reason and a purpose that God saved you, and that's what you need to work out. He saved you so that you might be like Jesus. He saved you that, so you might be perfect like our Heavenly Father in heaven is perfect. Now, you can say, but I'll never be perfect. Yeah, yeah it's true. Doesn't mean you shouldn't st uh, stop trying. 
You're always going to have things that you're working on. But he saved you so that you might be a light unto the world, that they might know who Jesus is and come to know him as their personal Savior. What, what do we say here every week? This life is about what? You can enjoy today, tomorrow, for all eternity. This life is about nothing more than a loving relationship that you can enjoy today, tomorrow, and for all eternity. And, and we're trying to figure out how to add this piece in. And that you might share with every person God places in your path. Because that's why he saved you. He saved Israel so that they might be a light unto the nations. They miserably failed. Jesus came and he established his church. The church is here so that we might be a light unto the nations. So that we might draw all people unto Jesus. And in most parts, we're miserably failing. Not every part. But our mission is to be so different, so contrary to the world. Our mission is not to react to the things that happen, but respond to the, in obedience to what God is calling us to do. And when we respond according to his purpose, his words, his prompting, it leads to a different response from the world. Up front, you might get a reaction, but over time, as you work out your salvation. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How many of you look forward to the day? We believe, based on scripture, we believe that when we get to heaven, we're gonna hear one of two things. Well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into paradise. Or, Depart from me, I never knew you. How many of us are striving and looking forward to the day? We, we close our eyes here and we open our eyes there and we hear Jesus tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into paradise. We will hear that when we begin, we're already saved, but we need to not just be saved. We're saved for a purpose, and so we need to have this mindset that is in Christ Jesus. We need to have this obedience. Working out our salvation is obedience to him, fulfilling his good purpose. And we do everything without grumbling or arguing. Um, the, the scripture in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 literally says, And I will give you a new heart. And I got to thinking about that, and so I did a little research. I couldn't really find a, a video I wanted to show, uh, but I, I listened to some, some testimonies of people that have actually been given a physical new heart. Most of the testimonies are with a, attached to a hospital or a, a clinic or somebody, and so I didn't want to promote them. That's not, I didn't want to do that, but I just wanted to listen to their, their testimonies. But here is one common theme that every person that I listened to said this. I just want to honor the person who had died so that I might have life. I just want to honor the person that died so that I might have life. Who died so that we might have life? Christ. 
We've been given a new heart. So what do we do with this new lease on life? What do we do when we, we receive it? I want you to understand, when you receive this new heart, you didn't lose the experiences you had in life. No different than these people. Some of the people lived horrible lives. And they were the cause of their destruction to their heart. Uh, there were some that, uh, that were alcoholics. There were some uh, that uh, just, just abused their bodies. There were, there, were some that did, there were others that didn't have anything to do with the bad heart. But there were some in there that just, they just didn't do anything good for their heart. But when they got a new heart, they had the same mindset. What do I need to do to honor the person that had to die to give me this heart? And so uh, we know that our sin has led to our need for a new heart. And so uh, in Ezekiel, we're given this. But in Proverbs 4.23, we're told to guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now let's just think about this in a physical nature. How long will you live without your heart pumping? Not very long. There are people that have gone 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and come back from that. I think that's a miracle from God. Most people, once their heart stops, it's over. Your body cannot function, cannot live without the life-giving flow of blood in your body. And we as Christians need to understand, until we are willing to be obedient to God himself in all aspects of our life, especially in our attitudes, especially in our mindsets, we are going to struggle in this life. We're always going to have an exit strategy. We're always going to have the safe word. Just give me your supervisor. We're always going to have something that says, I can't stay here any longer. But God may indeed have you there for a very purpose, to be there for those people that he's placed in your path. And how you respond to those difficult situations, those pressure situations, makes all the difference in the world. Luke chapter 6 and 45, a good man brings good things out of, his, uh, out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what's in the heart. Whatever your heart is full of will come out of you at some point. You know when it normally comes out? How many of you can be good when things are good? When things are going smooth, it's easy to be good. It's easy to do the right thing. As soon as something gets difficult, what happens? Who we really are flows out of us. Why is that? Because pressure doesn't test us, it reveals us. Pressure doesn't test you. A difficult situation doesn't test you, it reveals you. God is at work in us every single day to get us to the point, and he will test us. But that pressure is just revealing what's in your heart. Now, are you willing to respond and understand and make changes? Because even like in the film, we're predisposed to certain actions. When you get around, how many get anxious when you know you've got to get around certain people? Anybody? How many of you get nervous when you've got to go to certain places? I mean, we all, if we're just honest, we will admit that. But does it mean we get to avoid those people or avoid those places? No. Maybe God has us in those places for a purpose. And he's going to use us for his glory. And so uh, pressure doesn't reveal you. Pressure doesn't test you. It just simply reveals you. I, I'll show you this with you. I'm no different than you. So I'm preparing this message. Now, I got all of this in my mind. I'm, I'm running through all of these things, all of these little principles, and I'm an early riser, but I must qualify that. I'm an early riser as long as you're not there. I didn't realize that. I mean, I've realized it more and more over the last few years, and I'm working on it. 
So I like to go downstairs, but I always, always get down there as early as I want. Just life happens. Um, usually I hit the snooze button too many times. Uh, but I, I go down and I sit at the table and I put my earbuds in. And I, and I listen to messages, and I read scripture, and I write. I'm, I'm the most creative, the most, uh, I can put pen to paper early in the morning. I get more done, literally, uh, before 7 o'clock than most people get all day done. Uh, it's just when I've got the most creative juices flowing. And I like that time. But sometimes I don't get down there as early. And so I'm sitting at the table. I got my earbuds in. I'm listening to some messages. And Kelly comes down. And uh, she's my wife, those that don't know. Uh, she comes down, she sits down at the table, and she opens up her computer. Now, I'm, I'm just rolling, right? And she goes, hey, Chris, anybody with me on this? Deep in thought, deep in conversation, and now i got to stop. How many of you can get back rolling when you got to stop doing something? Yeah, me neither. It's just difficult. So I reach up, I take my earbud out, and I set it on the table, and I say, what do you want? Now, mind you, I am working on this message with these principles. Now, before, I, I will give myself some credit, before I would have responded differently, much harsher. And she says, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. And I, and I said, well, I'm just trying to get this done. And so I put my earbud back in, and I kid you not, it's like in my earbud, God said, you idiot. Take it back out and talk to your wife. So I took my earbud back out and laid it on the table. And I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry I responded that way. And she goes, oh, no, no, it's okay. I said, no, it's not. It, it is not okay. You had a question and I should have responded to you in a loving way and I didn't do that. And I'm sorry for that. Now, I want you to understand, years ago, that would have happened like next three weeks. I'd have th I wouldn't even have thought about it. I just put my earbud back in, went back to work, and never thought about it. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm getting better. And, and that's part of the, the process that we're in. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. You know the world wants us, the warped and crooked generation, the world wants us to respond, to re react in those ways. And it will push and push and push and push and push and push until it gets that reaction. Now, I can't tell you what went through Kelly's mind. But I know when I first started this years ago and I started shorter and shorter coming back and apologizing, it was confusing to her. Because she was used to me responding, reacting in a certain way and not responding in God's way. Sometimes we can get so focused on the moment we lose sight of the mission. We get so wrapped up in now. In John chapter 13, 34, and 35, uh, uh, Jesus says this. It's towards the end of his, his time here. And he says, I want you to love each other the way that I have loved you. Everyone will know you because of your love for one another. And the context of this is, is he is about to tell Peter, he, he just told him that I'm leaving, and, and while I'm gone, I need you to love each other the way I loved you. And, and, and he's about to tell Peter, Peter, before the night is over, you're going to deny me. That's the context. 
And Peter has this whole conversation with Jesus. And the focus, the mission that God had for him was to, the, the, the concept of, hey, love each other the way I loved you. And Peter was so focused on what he predetermined was going to be the outcome of this. He never thought about Jesus being crucified. He never thought about Jesus going away. He only thought about Jesus being the king of kings right here, right now. Here's the time. And when Jesus said, I'm going to go away, the only thing that Peter could focus on was, what do you mean you're going to go away? And what Jesus wanted him to focus on, love each other the way I loved you. Because all people, all people will know me by your love. I just ask you a question. What would be different in the world if all people knew Jesus by our love? By the way we responded in obedience to his prompting. Instead of reacting to the world and what it wants from us. Man, it would be a different place. If we believe God is in control, he knows all things, does all things, is it possible that God is allowing the things in your life to help you become the person that he wants you to be? Job didn't think that way, but when Satan approached God, God looked at Satan and said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? I don't want to be Job. But if you really think about it, God thought so much of Job that he put him in pressure situations so that he might reveal who Jesus really was. Man, does he think that much about us? That he puts us in pressure situations so that we might reveal to others who he really is to us? Man, that's a, that's a sobering thought. I want to I end with this. There's no, I, I, even, I even hesitate to do this. There's no, there's no list I can give you. There's no uh, things that I can that say to you uh, that will help you in this uh, as far as if you do this, this is going to happen. That's just, that doesn't exist. We, I've said you before, anything, any book that says 10 ways to a better life or three ways to a better marriage or seven ways to this, that's a lie. They, they might be good principles, but they're not always going to have the same outcome. You with me? So I'm going to give you some things here that I do that help me, but like I just, like I gave you an example of why I was writing this, that I didn't pass this, right? So they, they help, but there's not, that's not the end-all, be-all. But I want to give you some things that I do on every, on every day that help me uh, do this. Uh, I start my day uh, the right way. I get up every day and tell myself it's going to be a good day. You know why it's going to be a good day? Because it's a day that God ordained. It may not go, go according to my plan. It may, it may not even be close to my plan, but it's going to be a good day. Why? Because God's in char charge of it. Uh, God, uh, will you give me the mind of Christ as I start this day? Uh, it's just something I, I ask of him. Give me, give me the wisdom from above so that I might live out this day in a pleasing way to you. God, show me where you're working because I want to join you there. You, you know, when we join God at work, life's so much easier. Uh, I, I ask God to guide my actions so I don't live in my reactions. How many know you find what you're looking for? It, 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 Brad and, and Kate in that movie, they found everything they were looking for. Why? Because that's what they were looking for. Do you know there's a lot of good things that happen in that movie? You've got to search for them. Do you know there's a lot of good things that happen every day in your life, but you've got to search for them? You find what you're looking for. And so that's one of the things I do. Have a plan for the day, but leave room for God. Leave margins in your life. No life happens, and your plan may not be God's plan. As difficult situations arise, know and embrace these things. God is perfecting you. God is putting you in those places so that you might reveal who he is to those around you. There is nobody comes in your life by accident. Every one of them have a purpose, and God has placed them there. God is using you. 
Man, what a humbling thought. God wants to use us in his mission. Man, that blows me away. But it is true. Remember this. As difficult situations arrive, the relationship will always be more important than being right. Of all people, of all people that could have said, I'm right, it was Jesus. But he always put the relationship ahead, relationship with his father and a relationship with those he put in his path. And then acknowledge God at work. This is towards the evening. Maybe it's during the middle of the day. I don't know. Just evaluate your day. What good happened today? I I just did this with my granddaughter the other day at 9 o'clock in the morning. She was having a rough morning. And I know that one of my granddaughters focuses on the negatives. And so I sat down with her at 9 o'clock in the morning and I said, tell me what's good happened this morning. And she named off, took a little while, she named off five or six things that by 9 o'clock, granted, they don't get up till 8, 8.30. (laughs) By 9 o'clock, she named off five or six things that had happened good in her life. Now I want to show you what happened to her face as she spoke these things. You know, when you focus on the right things, joy is in the moment. It's just so great. Acknowledge where God was at work. God is at work all around you. It's just whether we want to acknowledge that, whether we want to see it or not. And then, in the end, what went wrong? What do I need to do? What can I change? What can I do better? What was beyond my control? If you'll just simply just go through your day beginning in the right way and ending in the right way, our lives, your lives, will be different. Why? Because we're learning to respond to God, not react to the world. The more you respond to God, the the attitude, the mindset that you have will be that of Christ Jesus, which is what we're called to do. That's our mission. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that even when Paul was being poured out like water, Even at the end of his life, the one thing that he focused on was sharing with others the joy that he found in focusing on Jesus. God, may we have the mindset that is in Christ Jesus, that we might know and understand fully who he is and who he's called us to be, that we might be the best version of us that you created us to be. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.